This is Sideline Tackle. The First World War was horrific. But, as in all dark times, there were spots of hope. You might even be familiar with one of the more well-known moments of brightness of World War I, the Christmas Truce of 1914, in which soldiers from both sides laid down their arms and picked up a soccer ball one fateful Christmas day. On the surface, it seems like a heartwarming tale of human connection during the horrors of war. Here's how the story is usually told. It's 1914, and the Great War has just begun. Young men have been shipped off to fight in far-off reaches of the continent. The war to end all wars drags on. Weeks turn into months, and autumn turns to winter. As the end of the year approaches, the soldiers realize this will be their first Christmas away from home. Then, something unexpected happens. On Christmas Eve, the winter storm finally relents. Small fires emerge from the depths of the German trenches. These fires aren't weapons or threats of an inferno, but candles and Christmas trees. Along the front lines, Regiments of German soldiers begin to sing out a chorus of Silent Night. Stunned at first, opposing English soldiers soon join in the harmony. When the impromptu choir ends, the men call out to each other to lay down their arms on Christmas Day. The next morning, the men walk across the frozen battlefield. They shake hands with their enemies as equals and realize they have more in common with each other than they had imagined. Across nationalities, clothes, cigarettes, and food are traded for beer, newspapers, and chocolates. Barbers cut the hair of anyone who asked, and photographers are taking pictures of everyone grouped together. Then, a soldier brings out a soccer ball, and suddenly, The truce goes from a ceasefire to an all-out celebration. A match breaks out among the soldiers, and the British and the Germans spend their final hours of Christmas Day enjoying the beautiful game. When the sun begins to set and Christmas nears its end, both sides shake hands one final time, and then they return to their respective bases knowing they would get one last restful night of sleep before the war regretfully resumed. That's the story those familiar with the Christmas truce have in mind. Soldiers from all over Europe putting aside their differences to enjoy the holiday spirit. Of course, the truth, as it always is in these matters, is a little more complicated. The front lines were fraught with danger. But after six months of close trench warfare and increasingly bitter winter downpours, a routine of 
Live and let live settled among the soldiers. Patrolling officers of opposing sides ignored each other if nothing was amiss. Young men often shouted casual conversations across the no man's land, which was often no bigger than a few hundred feet across. Very importantly, in a majority of sectors, both sides agreed to a daily ceasefire, so they could all eat their lunch in peace and quiet. Now, certain events did happen as they're told in the stories. The harsh winter storms really did stop on Christmas Eve. The Germans sang Silent Night, the English joined in, and men on both sides began to consider a temporary ceasefire. However, this was still a war zone. In some sectors, the battles carried on through Christmas, cannons and rifles drowning out any carols. The Belgians and the French, fighting for nations under German occupation, were far less inclined to join in on the festivities. In other regions, a ceasefire was brokered, but only so that soldiers could collect their fallen and repair their bases. Even the end of the Christmas truce varied. In certain regions, the troops acknowledged the end of the ceasefire with somber civility, shaking hands before walking away to return to their routine of war the next day. In others, high-ranking commanding officers demanded the ceasefire be cancelled, and even threatened their subordinates with punishment, including potential court-martials, if they didn't get back to war. Incredibly, in a few locations, the truce lasted until New Year's Day. But the stories aren't completely wrong. It was true in certain sectors that a more jovial peace descended on Christmas morning, with chatter and fun and the exchanging of goods and services. Most detailed estimates speculate that at least two-thirds of the trench line held some sort of truce. And it's in these pockets of peace that a less defined aspect of the Christmas truth myth began. Was soccer actually played on the frozen no-man's land at the start of the Great War? Well, yes, it was. But it wasn't a single iconic match, as the stories might suggest. Accounts from the truce, taken from the letters and journals of soldiers that took part, tell of numerous matches between the nations. Lieutenant Kurt Zaymich of Germany's 134th Saxon Infantry Regiment wrote in a letter home that the English brought out a soccer ball from their trenches, and pretty soon a lively game ensued. How marvelously wonderful, and yet how strange it was. Another recollection, written by Ernie Williams of the Cheshire Regiment about a match that was played on New Year's Eve, showed just how informally the game was played. He recalled that a ball appeared from somewhere, they made up some goals, and then it was just a general kickabout. I should think there were a couple of hundred taking part. There was no referee, and no score, no tally at all. It was simply a melee, nothing like the soccer that you see on television. However, modern historians dispute the validity of these accounts. Per Thermanius, Swedish journalist and author of The Christmas Match, identified only 29 separate primary reports of soccer taking place. 
the records were often sparse, with only one or two documents recounting any given match. Mike Dash, World War historian, found that just around four matches definitely happened between men of opposing armies. While soccer almost certainly took place, most attempts to play formally organized matches dissolved into the sort of casual kickabouts Ernie Williams recounted. Only a few even had an actual soccer ball. Most made use of whatever was lying around, including tin cans, old sandbags, and ration containers. Yet, despite soccer being only one of many factors of the Christmas truce, it's become as much a part of the myth as the carols and the ceasefire itself. For decades after the fact, the surviving veterans who took part in the Christmas truce remembered the matches and kickabouts as fondly as any other camaraderie that was far more common. As British Second Lieutenant Bruce Barnesfathers wrote, I wouldn't have missed that unique and weird Christmas day for anything. Robert Graves, a British officer of the front lines who later became a noted writer, recounted a fictionalized version of the truce in a book published in 1962, giving a final score of 3-2 with Germans as the victors. Even now, soccer is an intrinsic part of the Christmas truce narrative. To commemorate the centennial of the Christmas truce in 2014, Prince William, president of the Football Association, unveiled a bronze sculpture featuring two clasped hands inside a wire frame shaped like a soccer ball. A week after the sculpture's unveiling, a commemorative match took place between the German and the British Army teams. The beautiful game serves as a cultural connection to a fascinating and very unique event that's now over a century in the past. Through the years, the Christmas truce of 1914 has been simplified into an idealized version of itself. It's often told as a single day of peace, joy, and soccer, a moment of reprieve from the horrific years of the First World War. The truth is far more than a sentimental story. War is complicated, but the Christmas truce did happen. For a few days, many young men decided to trust the enemy they shared a battlefield with and enjoy the holiday spirit. At least a part of that fun involves the beautiful game. The Christmas Truce of 1914 shows that, even in moments of devastation, you might just find a moment of peace. No matter what holiday you celebrate this winter season, or who you celebrate with, I wish you all a joyous holiday season and a happy new year. Sideline Tackle is written, hosted, and edited by Leslie Gideon. Stay up to date with the show on Twitter and Instagram at Sideline Tackle. If you like what you've heard, consider supporting me at coffee.com forward slash Leslie Gideon. Don't forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps new people find the show. Have a topic you want explored? Send it in to sidelinetackle at gmail.com. If you want more content, sources, and transcripts, visit sidelinetackle.com.
Remember, the game has 90 minutes. The rest is up to you.